have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, we're going to look at one verse of Scripture, that's verse 15. 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, and verse 15. And here the Bible says, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word this morning. We need you to help us today, God. Help us to be able to preach, to expound upon your word, and to honor you. For it's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're getting close to Christmas. I believe it's about 20 more days away. Uh, December 25th is what we celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, that started around 336 A.D., actually the celebration of Christmas. The Roman Catholic Church, of course, is the one that originated uh, what we call Christmas. It's, it means Christ Mass. That means a Mass for Christ. And, of course, that's the time that the Roman Catholic Church would come together and they would have the Lord's Supper and they would uh, observe the birth of Christ. Uh, this tradition has been celebrated now ever since then. Some people are strictly against Christmas, they claim that it is a pagan holiday, which it did. Its roots were derived from two or three pagan holidays. Uh, the Roman Catholics, back in those days, they uh, celebrated many different pagan gods. Uh, Christmas, or at that time of year, when, when they decided upon that date, it coincided with Saturnella, which was, of course, the Roman um, observance of Saturn to honor the god of Saturn, who was the, uh, their agriculture god. And so there was a lot of things that happened during that time period, a lot of giving of gifts. That was a big thing during the, the, uh, the observance of Saturnalia. And then there was also an observance called the Juvenalia, which is the honoring of children in Rome. Uh, that one's a little not much heard of these days, but uh, that coincided with this time period. And, of course, Solus Invictus, which was the birthday of the unconquered sun, the sun that shines in the sky. They worshiped the sun. And so this was the time of winter solstice, uh, uh, when they were coming out of winter and coming um, almost to get into the spring, and the sun would be there. And so they would worship during these times, these pagan gods, but back then, in 336 A.D. is when it's believed it was first observed, um, Christmas, the Pope at that time, I don't remember which one it was, it doesn't matter if his name was Francis or whatever it was, uh, Gregory or uh, I don't know, but <laughs> the Pope at the time, he, uh, he deemed this date, December 25th, of being the birthday of Christ or when we would celebrate it. Now, we know from reading the things in the Bible, when the shepherds were biting by their flocks at night, it was not in the wintertime. It would have been more in the spring. And so it was probably around March, sometime in March, or maybe even April when the birth of, of the Lord Jesus occurred. It would not have been in December 25th. But the Roman Catholic Church wanted to take these pagan festivals and turn it into a Christian holiday, which, by the way, means holy day. Holiday means holy day. And so these people going around saying happy holiday, they really are saying happy holy day. They may not know that. They think because they don't say Christmas that they're doing okay, but they're still saying it's holy. But regardless of that, whether you believe in it or, or believe that Christians ought to celebrate Christmas, the fact is we use this time of year to observe the birth of Christ. Now we should do that every day. Not only his birth, but also his, his death and resurrection. 
those are to be celebrated. Of course, we, we have Easter time for the resurrection. But uh, December 25th uh, would not have been the actual day of incarnation, which is when God became flesh. And we know that as Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem by Virgin Mary to uh, her spouse husband, Joseph. And the angel Gabriel come to her and, and told her that God found her highly favored and she would have a son. And she did. And she conceived this holy child, Jesus. Well, it's this time of year that we begin getting very, well, my wife gets very concerned about the gifts right after Christmas and, and does it all year. But around this time of year, most people, their biggest concern is gifts. How are you going to get them? You know, what are you going to get this person that you don't know what, you know, they've got everything. What are you going to get them? You know, there's a lot of people like my mother. She's, she's got everything she wants. She told me she didn't really need anything or want anything. So what do you do? Well, you usually it ends up a gift card for most people like that, and then they can decide what they want. We've been doing that uh, lately. Uh, but then you have your children. You know, what do they like? And you don't want to just give them money, and they'll go out and blow it or something. So you think of that gift. Our children, I call them that, but they're they're grown. They're adults. All of them are in their 20s. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's different now. But there was always that concern, what are we going to get the kids for Christmas? What are we going to get this person? You know, can we afford this? <laughs> uh, the kids will give you a list, and they'll have things on there that are so outrageous, there's no way we can afford them. But I believe they put that on there just in case. <laughs> but uh, there's several people that, that can worry themselves about these gifts. And, um, you know, society and culture puts a lot of pressure on you about things like that. And that's one reason a lot of people don't want to celebrate Christmas is because of the pressure. And it is a highly pressurized time of year. I don't believe God intends it for it to be that way. We have made it that way because of the things we do. But the sad part when you think about gifts, especially around Christmas, is most of these are gifts that you may remember, um, but they're really not all that important. In the, in the vast scheme of things, most gifts that you receive... You enjoy it for a little while, and then after a while, the newness wears off, and it gets put on a shelf in a closet, in a drawer, gave away, uh, give it to Carm or Goodwill. A lot of gifts are that way. <clears throat> the Over the years, you can remember some of the things you received. You know, did those things really bring you happiness, eternal happiness? No, they didn't. Uh, there's only one thing that can bring us eternal happiness, and that is what Paul is talking about here in our opening text in 2 Corinthians, where he says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That doesn't mean you can't speak about it. It means it's indescribable. Unspeakable means there's no way to, to put into words how great this gift is. And so that's what he says in that opening text. And I notice the first thing he does in this verse is he begins giving thanks. He says, thanks be unto God. In other words, gratitude. What is your gratitude? In this whole chapter here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, Paul is teaching the church at Corinth about giving. Giving from a cheerful heart. Giving to the Lord. Giving as you have been blessed. Giving to others. Uh, and not begrudging those things that you give. This whole chapter is filled with that. Up there in verse 7, he said, Every man according as he is purposed, in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
And so this message that we should be getting out of this is that, that these things, the, the gifts, they should be gifts of the heart. Not because you feel some obligation or duty. I'm talking about our physical, earthly gifts that we're giving at Christmas. You know, some things you feel like you got to give out of obligation. Maybe the work party. Maybe, you know, they, they want you to bring something. Maybe a secret Santa gift. Those things aren't really from the heart. Those are just things that you're using to fulfill that purpose right there. But these things that the Bible speaks of, the, of the cheerful giver, these are things that God has placed in your heart. And from your heart, you're giving. Uh, we're given many different gifts over our lifetime. I can sit here and start telling you things that I received back when I was four years old under the, under the Christmas tree. That Fisher Price Airport that I love so much. I can tell you about that. I can tell you about all those gifts like that. And look, my parents did not have a lot of money. And at Christmas time, they really spoiled us for people that didn't have much money. We got many gifts and always something we wanted. Um, but you know, most people, when you give gifts, they become, they're not really that grateful for them. Now, if it's something extravagant, something they've always wanted, sure, they're grateful and they're happy they got it. But you know, eventually that, that wears off and that, that, gratitude is not really there. Uh, sometimes we'll give gifts and we'll say, you know, thank you or appreciate it. You know, I, I really like it. You know, we say these nice things when down inside we may be thinking, what in the world am I going to do with this thing? You know, oh boy, here's another one of those. Uh, but listen, maybe you aren't one of those that, that is really thankful for anything. You know, there's some people in this world that feels like the world owes them something. And it doesn't matter what you give them, how big it, it is, how much it costs, or how little it costs, they're not thankful. They feel that they deserve that gift. I, I remember back when I was a kid, and uh, we were, my dad was a deacon at the church, and uh, he had a friend, Bob, who was a deacon. And they got together to take food to people that were needy. Uh, this one family had reached the church and they said they were they didn't have any food they needed food and they were hungry and, and all this and so the church did a, a pounding for them you know got everything together and dad and bob took it over to their house uh they said that when they took it over there and they opened the trunk and the family came out and looked around and they started poking around in the bags and looking and there weren't any shoestring french fries and the family was not not happy about that they didn't want just potatoes. They wanted shoestring french fries. Now, I understand there's things that people want, you like and everything, but they were not grateful. All the, the time and effort and money and, and, and everything that the church had put into that and to bring it to them, they kind of put their nose up. You know, that's not exactly what we were looking for. And so a lot of people today are not uh, grateful for things. And so no matter what you do, people may not be that way. Um, the Bible explains to us that we are actually commanded to be thankful to God. Now, that sounds kind of uh, contradicts itself, it seems like, you know, to tell someone you must be thankful. But the Bible does command us. Listen, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, the Bible says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so, no matter what it is, and that's a tough one as well, everything I mean, even the bad stuff, you know, that's, that's a difficult one to think about. But in everything, I mean, think about it. This morning, 
we woke up, we were able to breathe another breath of air. We can see, we can speak, we can, we can do things and move about. And, you know, how many of us thank God for that? You know, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to get up again. I did this morning. Uh, I was feeling rough last night when I went to bed. And, you know, there's times you, you lay around and you think crazy things like, what if I don't wake up in the morning? You know, what if something happens overnight? I die in my sleep. Uh, and I know that sounds uh, horrible, but, uh, you know, it happens. Uh, so when I woke up this morning, I breathed a breath of air, and I said, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to wake up this morning. Uh, but the apostle goes on to say in our opening text there, he says, thanks be unto God, unto God. So our gratitude goes to the giver of the gift. If somebody gives you a gift, you don't thank somebody else for the gift that somebody else gave you. <laughs> so you thank the person that's given to you. And here, this giver is God. Now, there's a lot of names for God in the Bible. Think about it. Savior, Redeemer, Almighty, the Great I Am. Uh, you can name off name after name of God, but how many of us actually think of his name being the giver? The giver, because God is a giver. And I was looking through the Bible, and I've seen a few things about God and his giving. I'm going to give you a few of these. In Genesis 2 and 7, the Bible tells us that God gives us life. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Imagine if God had just said, You know what? I, I don't want anybody else on this earth. You know, the angels I'll put up with. Uh, I'll tolerate them, but I don't want any human beings. I'm not going to create them. What if God had never reached down in that dirt and 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 blew his breath into it and, and formed man? None of us would exist. So I guess it wouldn't matter at this point, would it, if, if God never created man. But I believe man to be God's greatest creation. I believe it was the one that he perfected. Uh, he made man his own image, by the way. And so man was highly desired by God to be created, and he gives us life. If it were not for God, we would not have breathed a breath of air this morning when we woke up. The Bible tells us that God gives us his word. Over in Psalm 68, 11, the Bible says, The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Can you imagine going through life without God's word? Do you imagine never hearing a Bible verse? Do you know there's people that's never heard a Bible verse? There's people that's never owned a Bible. And here we grew up. Probably people gave gave the babies. I know we did. We gave babies Bibles. You know, somebody's born, give that baby a Bible. <laughs> so even before you can read, we got a Bible uh, that they can read when they get old enough. And probably in there in our bookcase, we probably got 25 Bibles. I can't imagine living this life without God's word. What if we didn't understand anything about God? How would we know to be saved? How would we know how to do anything? If it had not been for God's word, God gives us wisdom. It seems he gives some people more than others. But uh, he gives us wisdom. Proverbs 2 and 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. I thank the Lord for that. I mean, what if you were born without any kind of knowledge, any kind of understanding, no wisdom at all? Uh, you know, some people are born uh, that way. Some people are born with uh, birth defects and, and things that uh, their brains cannot function normally. Uh, can you imagine what that would be like? I'm thankful that God does give us wisdom and able to make decisions. You know, God doesn't dictate every single thing that we do. He doesn't 
We're not puppets on God's strings where he goes around saying, you got to do this and do that and all this, say that. No, he gives us free will and he gives us the wisdom in our, in our minds to be able to make decisions and do things. Uh, the Bible says that God gives us power. Uh, always my favorite superhero growing up was Shazam. I always thought he was cool. I know he's a pagan, uh, whatever. But uh, when I was a kid, Shazam was my superhero. Uh, everybody else liked Superman and Batman and Spider-Man and all that. Mine was Shazam. Uh, and so that's, that's what I like. But that's not what the power is that the Bible speaks of. In Luke 10 and 19, the Bible says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, of course, this is, you know, we're not going to go out and stomp on uh, copperheads barefooted. That's, that's not what the Bible intends for it. But God gives us power, uh, his Holy Spirit, not, not a physical, it's, it's not physical, that's what we're speaking of, but it's spiritual power. It's power to be able to overcome the enemy and overcome sin and Satan. And so he does give us that. And one of the, one of the other things that uh, God gives us, and this is one of the greatest of all, you, you may not even consider it, but it's his Holy Spirit. God gives us his Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 8, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Can you imagine a Christian without God's Holy Spirit? I mean, we would just be like a, a ship out there without a sail on it, just going around in, in circles in the middle of the ocean. But because we have the Holy Spirit, that gift that God gave us, he is able to direct our thoughts and direct our mind, direct our conscience, direct us into things that we ought to do. If you were not able to be able to tell right from wrong and, and what's moral and immoral, and evil or good, I mean, can you imagine that? And it seems there's people in this world that are like that. They're void. And they are. They're void of God's Spirit. If you're not saved, you don't have God's Spirit in you, guiding you. And so that's why you see a lot of criminals and crime and, and uh, evil things going on in this world. People do that we can't imagine doing. You know? Can you imagine some of the things that people do, the evil acts that they commit? We say, I could never do that. No, you can't with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But before you were saved, you better believe you'd do it because you don't have that gift that God gives the Holy Spirit if you're not saved. God gives us the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, but in the form of the Comforter, the one that comes to you to give you comfort. John 14, 16, Jesus speaking with his disciples. We all remember that momentous occasion. We had the Lord's Supper. He explained his betrayal and all that, and then he goes out there and he's giving them all this education about what's going to happen when he leaves. And one of the things that he told them was this, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Notice another one. In other words, instead of me, he's going to give you this one, this other comforter. I'm your comforter now, but when I go away, God's going to send another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. It says that he may abide with you forever. So at that point, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes, the comforter comes forever. He doesn't leave you. Now, you'll distance yourself from this, the Holy Spirit. You'll distance yourself from God by committing sin and unrepentant and all that and getting out of God's will. You'll distance yourself, but he don't leave you. He's still there waiting for you. And he's a comforter in those times of sorrow. What if every time somebody died, we were so distraught that we'd want to kill ourselves? 
We have the comforter. Christians have the comforter that we can rely upon and lean upon and, and, and draw strength from. God gives us, and this is the greatest one of all, eternal life. Eternal life. Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Do you notice that? The gift. We're talking about the gift today. I titled the message, The Unspeakable Gift. That's what come from our text. But the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Without Jesus, you could not have this free gift, the gift of God, the eternal life gift. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, uh, God packaged up that greatest present there in, in the manger in Bethlehem when the incarnate Christ came to save man, men. And so it's only through Jesus Christ that we can have eternal life. And that leads us to the gift he gave us of his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It goes right in line with Romans 6.23 about having eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so the gift of Jesus. And the Bible explains that he is the free gift. He gives us the free gift. It's not a gift that we have to pay for or bargain for. Which leads us to our opening text again. The last part of that verse. His unspeakable Gift. Now, I told you, unspeakable don't mean you can't speak about it. It means you can't describe it. You can't form into words exactly what this gift means. It's that wonderful. It's beyond words. And I think that's appropriate when you're thinking about this particular gift. Now, there's gifts that we receive that are not beyond words. You can describe them to a T. How many gifts have you ever received, honestly, that you can say, I can't describe that gift? There's not one, not a single one. I can, Like I said, I can go back to those early memories of childhood and, and name off all those presents, the Fisher-Price Airport, the Stretch Armstrong. I remember getting that and, boy, pulling those stretch out all the time, trying to see if I could break it. Uh, the Evil Knievel Stunt Cycle and the Scramble Van. I thought I was the richest kid on earth when I got that Evil Knievel Stunt Cycle. You know, you put them on the little stand, you wind the thing up, you let it go, and, it, and it's supposed to ramp over that van. Mine never did do that. Mine would just take off and wobble and, and go somewhere. But I loved it. I can describe it to the T. I can describe Evil Knievel's outfit, the white one with the blue stars down the thing and the red stripes and uh, the helmet, everything. I can describe it uh, to the letter. The BMX bicycle I got when I was just a kid, and it had the square seat, had the rubber hand grips, had the, the padding on, on the bars on the front, and uh, the big the pedals with the with the heel grab things on. Man, I, I'm telling you, that, that thing was awesome. Uh, and I can describe that to the letters, black and yellow. It said BMX on the side of it. I took it out the first day and, and popped a wheelie in the road and the seat hit the road and, and ripped a hole in the back of the seat. I can, I can look at and see that right now. Uh, that Crossman Pumpmaster 760 pellet rifle. I can tell you every detail of that thing. It was one of the greatest gifts I'd ever received as a kid. And so I can sit here and describe to you all those presents I received, all those gifts to the letter. None of them are unspeakable. None of them are indescribable. And so... This gift that Paul is talking about, he is saying he's thankful to God for it because it's unspeakable, it's indescribable, it pales in comparison to, I mean, all other gifts pale in comparison to this gift, this undescribable, unspeakable gift 
Now, turn over to Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, and we'll see exactly what Paul is talking about, about these, this gift, and why it is unspeakable. Romans chapter 5, look there starting in verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, we all know this because of the sin that Adam uh, uh, committed in the garden. His sin was passed on to us. And so that sin that, that he had, it's, it's tainted us. It's infected us. It's like a cancer, an incurable one, except for the way that Christ can cure it. Look at verse 13. For unto the law sin was in the world. <coughs> Excuse me. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now, what this means is, even though someone may not have committed a sin such as Adam did, that sin that he committed was still in that person. And so they may not have committed that, that same kind of similar transgression, but uh, nevertheless, sin still reigned in man. Verse 15. This is this starts the talking about the gift. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all, uh, all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Six times in, in, uh, in those nine verses, Paul mentions the gift, and not just any gift, but the free gift. He called it the free gift there a couple of times. No, three times, I believe. Uh, the gift, the, the free gift. Uh, so because of the sin that we inherited when Adam in, uh, it fell there in the garden, each and every person was on a road course to hell. I'm talking going to hell with a pedal down. Uh, but because of the free gift, the unspeakable gift, that the Bible tells us about, our road course changed. God, uh, he, he recalculated our destination, just like on a GPS. You know, when you, you have that GPS and it tells you where you're going and you make a wrong turn and the voice will come in and say, recalculating. Uh, I always did that when I'd have to fly out to uh, uh, San Francisco. I got lost every time I left that airport out there in San Francisco I'd be in a rental car and I always made sure that I got a GPS because I just pulled out of the, the parking garage where they had the rental cars 
and I'm totally lost. And so I'd have that, that GPS on. I can remember one time I turned it on when I, when I was in the, in the garage and it didn't ever connect. And so I, I, I was in a hurry. I needed to get to a business meeting and I'm in that car and the GPS is not working. It's sitting there. You can see it trying to connect and everything, but there was no signal. And I, so I just started driving. I thought I could just kind of drive slow, you know, and, and hoping it would connect. There was a line of people behind me. And so the next thing I know, I'm going 55 miles an hour on this exit ramp, and there's like four exits, and it's not connected. And I'm like, what in the world am I going to? And so I just, <laughs> I just pulled on it. Next thing you know, I'm headed toward Las Vegas. And finally, the thing connected, and it said, recalculating, recalculating. And everywhere I'd go, it'd say, ah, you missed your exit. Turn around. But when we got saved, when we got that eternal gift, that unspeakable gift, God took and recalculated our coordinates that were coordinated going to hell. We were on that path, but he recalculated and we turned and now we're going that way. And so there's no more recalculating needed because of this gift. This unspeakable gift, we've mentioned it many times, was arrived as a baby in Bethlehem. Now, Jesus has always existed. We know that. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. But when God became incarnate, that means became flesh, God became a man. He robed himself. Pastor Sexton said this so many times during seminary. God robed himself in flesh and became a man. And I, I, that's an amazing picture to me, seeing the God of heaven come down off his royal throne, lay aside his, his royal uh, uh, crown and his scepter and robe himself, take on the flesh of a man and put it on him to present himself to men. What a, what a picture to think of. But that is the unspeakable gift. There was no room for the unspeakable gift in the end. There was nowhere for them to stay. And so they had to stay in a manger. The unspeakable gift walked this earth for approximately 33 and a third years, as best as we can tell from the Bible. Never committed a single sin. The unspeakable gift only gave of himself the entire time he was here. His whole existence, his whole life here on earth, was one gift after another. Uh, the unspeakable gift was betrayed by one of his closest friends, as Judas Iscariot kissed him on that cheek and betrayed him. Uh, what, a, what an awful thing. This unspeakable gift was beaten, spit upon, nailed to an old rugged cross on Calvary. The unspeakable gift shed every drop of his blood just so that we could be saved. He defeated death, hell, and the grave to give us this unspeakable gift so that you and I would not have to go to hell and pay for our sins. The unspeakable gift, as he hung on the cross, as God the Father turned his back in that awful occasion when he separated himself from the Son, and the, the darkness took over this earth. What an awful thing. But the unspeakable gift gave his life for us. Why is it so unspeakable? So indescribable? Because that's what the Bible says. Listen in Romans 5, 8 through 11. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. I, I like that part. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't expect us to get cleaned up and uh, fixed up and get all religious. He didn't come here to save those that were righteous. He came here to save those that were lost. And that was us. And so this unspeakable gift that he gave us, because we are not able to utter the words to even describe what he did for us. We can try. We can explain the cross of Calvary. We can explain the, the nailing of the hands and the feet, but we can't describe exactly how God did this for us and why he would do it for us. Would you do it for us? Would you give your only son for this wicked world? No, I dare say none of us would. It's unspeakable, undescribable. But the question is, have you received the unspeakable gift? Because if you've not received it, it's not in your possession. Just like all gifts, you must first receive it. On Christmas Day, that box may have your name on it. But if you don't go and pick it up and take it, it's not yours. It's going to remain under the tree. Or somebody else will come by and say, guess he didn't want that, take it. Well, God gave us this free gift, and all he says is it's yours. He's handing it out to us. Take it. It's yours for, for free. But you got to receive it. you got to believe in it. you got to say, that gift is for me. I believe that. I believe God gave me this gift to save me. I want it. Save me. And that gift is yours. But if you've never received Christ, you've not received the gift. And you're dying and your GPS coordinates are still calculated to go to hell. It's not until you receive the gift that that gets changed. So I want us to pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning thanking you for the message. Lord, if there's one that's been listening today and they've never received the unspeakable gift, the indescribable gift, the beautiful, lovely gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, would you convict their heart? Show them that they're in their lost condition, God, that they're headed toward hell. Lord, but you're willing to save them. All they got to do is receive your free gift of eternal life. And it's only through Jesus Christ. Help them, Lord. Lord, may we as a church be able to reach them. May someone that listens to this, no matter if it's right here in our community, Lord, or if it's across the world somewhere, somebody out there we know that's lost that may hear this. Lord, would you please save them before it's too late. Help them, Father. For it's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen.